a million dollar mentality, Sky. A million dollar mentality. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Star Wars saga began. And Kenner continues the excitement. Star Wars figures. The Empire Strikes Back turn of the Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's the Cast. Newest news on the oldest toys. From bubble bath to belt buckles. 12 packs to 2 packs. New boss, Alien Bounty Hunter. From the, from the, from the, from the, from the Star Wars collection. Watch out, watch out! We bring the world of vintage Star Wars memorabilia alive! With informative features and personal collecting stories. Offer expires December 31st, 1979. No, no, no. An R2D2 with Emphasco. The Supreme Master, the Emperor. Brought to you by the Star Wars Collector's Archive. The SWCA.com. With your hosts, Sky Payne, Steven Chewbacca, 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 and Stephen B. Denley. I've got you now, Ben Kenobi. Star Wars, early bird certificate package, new from Kenner. Kenner's Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. Wampa Wampa, everybody. Welcome to the Kivecast for November 2011. That's right. Steve and I are both a little bit under the weather. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the, it, it snowed for the first time today, Steve. <laughs> well, it was uh, sunny and, and 70 in California today, so I've got no excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's... Uh, anyways, uh, we're going to have a pretty exciting uh, episode. This is the... All right, Steve, we're not going to change our name, but we are going to have the tagline. Okay. The Vintage Star Wars Collectors Podcast. That, that'll be that like our... And Steve, our tagline. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, I think that was one that, one that you liked. Um, but anyways, uh, let's. Uh, we have a theme for this this month's episode, and we're going to get to that uh, after my little uh, movie observation. So, are, are you ready for it this this month, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. Well, you know, well, what's the figure of the month, Steve? The Jawa. The Jawa. Yeah. So, I, I mean, people have talked about this before, and I'm not the first person to notice it. But I realized that one of the two scariest things. For me, in the whole Star Wars trilogy. Oh my god, I was hoping you would mention this. Alright, let's hear it. <laughs> For me, it's the tall Jawas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the know. ones that don't... They're not quite... You don't know if they're children or if they're just... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, they don't uh, quite fit in. There's no explanation yeah. for them. Yeah. Kenner, yeah. Ne- it, Kenner never tried to, like, make one. <laughs> A tall Jawa. Hasbro, no. I don't think, ever tried to make one. I know. Didn't they, they... The first two, like, new Jawas, they came out. One was really small and one was a little bit taller, but still, still wasn't quite right. But still, there's ones that look like they're, like, I don't know, like, the... the, the they look like my height, man. They're, like, 5'6". <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. They're, they're just creepy. So, anyways, yeah. but wh- where were you going with that, Steve? Oh, well, see, I another thing, one thing that used to creep me out about the original Star Wars more than anything, there's that one shot where Artie's going through the canyons, and you see the Jawas kind of poking out, but there's this one where you see this kind of, like, black being. You don't see a cloak or anything. It's just <laughs> this, and, like, that was not a Jawa. What was that? I, oh, <laughs> it, man. It all used to freak me out as a kid, but, uh. Wow. See, he's a tall Jawa too. He wasn't small, so maybe maybe there's some connection there. I, I don't know. I, I but. think that they just you know like ran out of midgets in Tunisia. <laughs> I think but that either was... that or yeah, or the cloaks or that one shot. I just don't get it. Or, or the just... cloaks, but I, yeah. I don't know. So that that, that was my, my movie observation that those those tall Jawas really really kind of creep me out. Um, <laughs> anyway, Steve, well let's uh, let's let's head around the bend and uh, hear the theme and hear the news. All right. It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. 
All right, podcast audience. So uh, don't get used to these things. Uh, it just happened to be that I had, I, I had one in mind. So uh, last month our theme was the, the inner circle, right? Right, right. Well, this month it was also inspired by a conversation I had at the New York Comic Con. Um, there's a, a figure of myth in the in the vintage uh, collecting community named Ed Albano. You've met him, Steve, right? <laughs> You know, I've never actually met Ed. I, I know him. I've seen him. You know, at celebrations, I've never, never actually met him. <laughs> well, well, that's that, that's why he's a figure of myth. You know, I think I yes, said, I, right. I think right. I said it last month. You know, I'd I'd seen him since 2005, but only talked yeah. to him in 2011. And anyway, yeah. so so he was talking to me. Uh, he he had a couple a couple of adult beverages. He was hanging outside this bar. He was <laughs> talking to some ladies, and uh, uh, so like he was talking to me about. About something, and he just starts going on about this million dollar mentality mm-hmm. and and he was saying how he had this trouble like trying to talk to people and figure out you know trying to get things or buy things and try to get them for a reasonable price and some people just get this thing in their head where they had this- that star wars is just is just uh, a money maker <laughs> exactly that if it yeah. has Star Wars, it has to be worth. <laughs> Ten times more, whatever you're being offered for it. Right, right. And uh, so he was sitting there, you know, very excitingly telling me, uh, you know, million dollar mentality. And I, I kind of store it away. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that should be our theme. Um, yeah, you know, well, what, that's, that's a good call. What, what does it mean to have, you know, the difference to me is what's priceless and what's worthless and what's kind of in, in between the two. Yeah. So I'm actually gonna gonna zig where I would normally zag here, Steve. I think we should get get in a story time. Yeah, let's do it. Because um, also on that trip, uh, I I stayed with Ron Salvatore, and he's got a lot of stories about. I'm sure he does. <laughs> he's got a lot of stories. A and B. He told me a lot of stories of this kind of the million dollar mentality. Oh, okay. And there's a particularly good one he told me on a train uh, on the way to the to the con. And I think, well, I need to hear it with new ears. So we're going to hear it through your ears, Steve. We're going to give him a call, and, and he's going to tell us the story of VJB. Ticolo Carbon Story Time. Hit it, hit it. All right, Starling, let's see if we get a hold of Ron. Hey, Ron. Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, how's it going, Ron? All right, man. So you guys are both uh, rearing to go here on your podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're both rearing to go. I guess you guys wanted to hear about the Virginia Jarvis Brooks uh, situation or fiasco, or whatever you want to call it, that happened. Jeez. Uh, I guess it's about 14 or 15 years ago now. Uh, it's about 1997, I guess. 97, wow, okay. Yeah, it would be 97, because um, I kind of reviewed the write-up today. Chris Tregulius did a good write-up at the time, and it's still in the archives, so if you go on there and you type in Virginia Jarvis Brooks on um, the search, it'll come up, and you can read through it. It's Being Chris, it's very detailed <laughs> the whole blow by blow um but yeah so to set the scene um a good story a good storyteller always sets the scene so i'll set the scene okay thanks um so it's like 1997 uh star wars collectors archive is basically been around for a couple of years uh chris and gus well gus really has started it and chris has helped him out 
Um, and then I guess I was brought online probably in 96 or 97. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was just me, Chris, and Gus at that point. And John Wooten maybe would help out in some respects too. Um, and it was kind of the uh, biggest Star Wars collecting site at that time, except for maybe Sir Steve, who had a Power of the Force 2 site that was really big. But as far as vintage stuff goes, it was kind of like the, the big site around. Right. And uh, so if you were to search for vintage Star Wars stuff, that site would come up. You know, we're just going about our, our, our lives. And at that point, we just started looking for prototype stuff going by going out to Cincinnati. I think Chris and Gus had gone out there in, like, 95 or something like that. And we maybe got out together a couple times by then and, and then talked to some employees. And obviously, we both had a lot of things in our collections. And most of it was on the archive. Right. Uh, including unproduced micro stuff. Um, and actually... When Chris and Gus went out there, one of the people they visited was Tom Nyheisel, who was a marketing guy at Kenner, and had a bunch of stuff. And one of the things he had, I think, was the torture chamber playset, okay. um, which was obviously never made, a micro-collection thing. And he had the figures to go with it, you know, the metal one-to-one figures. Um, so that was on the archive, because those guys took pictures of it, little tiny you know, pre-digital <laughs> pictures that they scanned. And um, so you could find that stuff on the site. Um, right. And... So one day, it's 97, and Gus and I both get an email from this person, and I think she signed it Virginia Jarvis Brooks at that time. She changed names a number of times, so that's why I'm a little, okay. not sure <laughs> yeah. what the first name was. Yeah, well, why did I think it was Barker? I always thought it was Barker. Okay, Virginia Jarvis Brooks. Okay. Virginia Jarvis Brooks. It's just such a great we name. We call it VJB. The VJB <laughs> affair. Was the, the way of, uh, oh, um, um, uh, abbreviating it. Right. So anyway, the the tone of the email is a little bit like, um, I pulled one up here. Let me find it here. Um, it's a little like confrontational and like ominous, I guess, would be the tone. <laughs> it's very ominous. And it's like, I may as well email you too. Either you guys have been severely misinformed or you just haven't done proper research on the origin of most of the collectibles you are featuring. Um, so she goes on to say that, uh, there's no such thing as a two-up, which I'm not sure what that means. I mean, there's Action Master two-ups. There's not. There's no two-ups micro-collection-wise on the archives. So I'm not sure why she cares about that. Right. <laughs> four-ups four are green and are real kind of property. Any four-ups done in blue on Star Wars before 1989 is fake, which is something that we were the ones to spread that knowledge, so I don't know why. <laughs> it's like, it's a really good you reiterate. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's not something I'm claiming, but that's nice that you know that. Um, number two, okay, this is like your third point, but she says, number two, there was no wax sculptings on the micro collection. They were all done in clay, which is not true. I mean, most of them started out in clay, and but the final sculptings are pretty much all wax. Okay. Um, so that's, I don't know where she got that of information, but that's wrong. Um, there most definitely are no one produced micro-collection figures from Kenner in metal that are legitimate. Huh. Okay, that's an odd statement. You know, everybody knew about the Bacta and torture chamber figures at that point. You know, the same ones people know about now, basically, the Ugnod and the Bester Guards and the, the 2-1-B and all those figures. Um, and then she goes on to say, basically, that all the stuff out there that's uh, four-ups and prototypes is mostly not real, and Kenner never let that stuff go, and it's all Kenner property, and you, know, you guys are pushing a lot of fake stuff. And, wow. Uh, why haven't Jeez. you properly researched any of this? 
which <laughs> is a little bit crazy because the whole site's emphasis was on like first-hand research. <laughs> the people right. Right. From, you know, so it's like, okay, um, we have. I don't know why you think we haven't. Um, she's like, you know, if you talk to someone over there, you realize that you've obviously been misled. Um, the stuff that I have shows that you guys are wrong. And then she basically signs off by saying, for now, I'm signing off as a very, in quotes, concerned person. Actually, there's no <laughs> name in the email. So, of course, you know, Gus and I, we laughed about it for a little while, and Gus and I kind of write a response, just kind of informing her of the inaccuracies of what she's saying, and more or less polite, just being like, I don't know where you're getting your information, but I don't think you're right with this. No, The no. story continues. <laughs> it wasn't just the beginning. Just the beginning um, of the BJB. <laughs> yeah, and so then um, the next email, basically the same points, but it's a little more ominous, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, she basically starts it off to Gus. You wouldn't be finger-pointing now, would you? All I read was a lot of steam about nothing. Don't you have the answers to the question I posed to you? I really didn't believe you did when I asked it. Um, and then she goes on, Tom Nyhazel. This is when Tom Nyhazel first is brought into this. And she says, Tom Nyhazel was a design engineer for Kenner, which is a, quote, glorified artist. <laughs> okay. Tom Nyhazel was in marketing, so I don't know where she got that. Um, since you're unaware of who the original project manager was on the Micro Collection 1982, why don't you call, and she gives a number, and ask James F. Golden, who was, I guess, the guy, he's an engineer there, who was in charge of the, the original line in, like, 81. Um, and she writes, James F. Golden was the only person in authority on the Kenner Micro Collection who had the power to order first shots on the Micro Collection figures, and I was assured by him, and in person, that he did not approve of the unproduced Micro Collection figures you were talking about. So she's basically saying that the back to figures and the torture chamber figures could not possibly be real because Jim oh. Golden says he never ordered them. <laughs> right. It's, it's a ridiculous statement if you know anything about anything because, sure, I mean, he may have never have ordered first shots from the Kenner's vendors, which I found hard to believe anyway. But even if he didn't, he doesn't necessarily know what the vendor in, like, Montreal is, is making, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. some guy goes in there and runs off a thousand of these things and brings them home, like, how did you know? I mean, <laughs> he obviously has no idea. Uh, I mean, this stuff happens all the time. I mean, most of the stuff that comes out into the market is stuff that just gets illicitly made in Taiwan or wherever, you know? Right. Um, so, I mean, the very fact that she's mentioning that is kind of goofy. And then she mentioned some other people, and basically it becomes apparent that she called someone over in Kenner, um, in Hasbro, and amazingly got through to some actual people there. Um, and at the time, it seemed kind of amazing that this would have happened, but I think after hearing the whole story later, and we'll get into that later, uh, I think she was just annoying enough and persistent enough where they, <laughs> they just were like, someone answer this lady's question to get her off my back. So um, they put her in touch uh, with... Uh, I think Jim Kipling, who was a Kenner uh, lawyer at the time, and uh, Jim Golden, who was the former um, uh, engineer in charge of the project. So they probably gave her Jim's number, even though he wasn't working there anymore. Hmm. And she called him, and they chatted about the micro-collection. Now, the reason she called Kenner was because somehow she came into possession of, uh, I don't know, a, a bag or a, a bucket full of unproduced, I mean, I'm sorry, unpainted micro-figures. 
Okay. Not the unproduced ones, mind you. Okay, just unpainted micro figures. Right. Okay. Rebel soldiers and whatnot. And I think Gus and I had told her early on that, yeah, they're worth about three to five bucks and they're not rare. Okay. Yeah. And that made her just more incensed because, (laughs) um, million dollar mentality, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Million dollar mentality, Sky. So then, um, I wonder if Virginia can move shrimp. But anyway, (laughs) then, um, uh, what was I saying? So anyway, she called Jim, and the reason she was incensed about us giving her the value, the low value, was because Jim had told her these things were never made. They couldn't possibly exist. Um, but then she apparently lived in Cincinnati at that time, and Jim did too, so it was a coincidence. So she met up with the guy, and they had a chat, and Jim was nice to her. And he looked at her figures to confirm they were real, because once he sees them in person, he knows, hey, these have to be real because the quality is so good. Mm. And so he's like, you're the only ones in existence. There couldn't possibly be any more of these in the known universe. <laughs> and, you know, and, and he's like, Star Wars stuff is worth a lot of money. You know, these, I'm sure these things are worth a lot. You know, they got to be worth thousands. And so in her head, she calculates that her collection is worth $200,000. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Unpainted man. micros. So she's got like 100 micros each worth $1,000, you know, $2,000 mm. a piece or whatever. And... <laughs> And it comes out later, after she talked to Jim, I think she called, she got in touch with Lucasfilm, and again, amazingly, she talked to someone over there, and and it was, they put her in touch with Steve Sansweet, and I think Steve talked to her and told her the same thing, those things are worth three to five bucks, you know, and that's set her on this, like, jihad to get these things to be worth money, you know, and, um, and, uh, so let's, so at this point, Gus, Chris, and I have told her they're, they're not worth much. Steve has told her, Lucasfilm has told her they're not worth much. And um, uh, she's convinced that they need to be worth, that, that she is the rarest things in the world because she was told by the guy who made them that they couldn't possibly exist. For her, from her perspective, she heard from, straight from the horse's mouth that she's got super valuable stuff and that all our stuff can't possibly be real. Right. Um, and, and around this time, I think, I mean, I met, met Steve Sansu for the first time in person at Toy Fair 97, or it must have been Toy Fair 98, early 98, because it was in February usually. And the first thing he said to me was like, you have caused me more problems. Um, <laughs> just about this Virginia thing, because she had developed a theory by the time she talked to Steve that um, the stuff on the archive and the stuff owned by Nyheisel and myself and Gus, and the stuff owned by other collectors, and in Steve's book, and being sold by the Earth, they got drawn up to this too, because they had stuff on their website being sold for, like, unproduced figures, um, was worth, was all fake. Um, uh, and Jim told her the unproduced figures were never done. He said that stuff was never made. We never made any figures beyond the 1982 line. Um, so that stuff has to be fake, because I never ordered it. That right. stuff was fake. So she's saying that all that stuff is fake. You know, the Han Solo torture chamber is fake. The, the, the Chewbacca torture chamber is fake. All that stuff is, like, fan-made. So, <laughs> at that time, this gets a little bit complicated. Right. I was involved with making, like, custom figures and, and some reproduction things and things out of resin, basically. Because um, I was experimenting with making silicon molds and things like that. And uh, Gus had lent me some unproduced figures and some of Robin Mentea. Um, some micro figures, and I made molds of them and made resin copies for collectors, you know, basically at cost. And I made like 30 of each one 
and sold them for you know a little bit above cost or whatever to people on news groups. And it only made like a total of maybe like 50 of these things, you know, like all yeah. told. Uh, but she saw that oh, no. and then accused me of being in league with Tom Neuheisel to <laughs> make fake figures. Like all the ones out there of these unproduced 1983 line figures were made by Tom and I in league, including the back to chamber, the micro chamber, the, the, the torture chamber, it. the actual playset, <laughs> and the mock up boxes. And all that stuff, and all the four ups and the sculpts. Um, <laughs> busy. In order Complete to. Complete fabrication. <laughs> yeah, in, in order to, um, I guess, make a mint. Although the way she phrased it was like, we did this in order to, to get her. <laughs> like, we did this to spite me. And it was like, okay. Like, at this point, I mean, we just started to realize we were dealing with a madwoman. Right. And it was like going off the rails on the crazy train. Um, <laughs> All that stuff. And so, I mean, we were just bouncing mail up this. And at this point, Steve, too, I think we bounced mail with Steve Santos. And this woman is like completely insane um, to think that this is all a conspiracy engineered by Tom Nyheisel. And she had this whole convoluted theory that when Tom left Kenner, he stole the micro collection concept, marketed it to West End games, and <laughs> they needed metal miniatures. And then this was like the next iteration of the scheme wow. to make a, a mint of You must have really hated her, man. <laughs> uh, to be honest, it was funny. It was just like ridiculous. So we were like, okay, um, the stuff I made was these resin figures, you know. It's like the stuff we're talking about is metal, you know. It's, there's no way you can compare the two. If you'd see the things, you know, these things would be, you'd know these things were real. I mean, there's no way you can get around it. And moreover... All this information she has about micro collection figures or sculpted in clay and all that stuff was basically given to her by Jim Golden, who clearly just doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. <laughs> One of the things you learn is like, care employees are great, but they don't necessarily know everything. You know, Jim was an engineer and he didn't necessarily, he wasn't in the sculpting department. And he, he was 20 years earlier, he doesn't necessarily remember exactly. Right. And he's maybe confusing some things with the action masters or whatever, but. At this point, we've met several sculptors who worked on the line, and we know that they sculpted them in clay. You know, I mean, in, in wax. It's not like this is even debatable. People who, you know, people remember things oddly. You know, the collectors usually involved like at that level, no more so than the people who actually did it. You know, like, if you want to find out about Hollywood props and what's out there, like, talk to the people who have hunted them down. Don't talk to like the prop master at Warner Brothers or whatever, right. like, that guy doesn't probably remember him. <laughs> it was functional to, to be used in a movie. After that, it was like, who knows what happened to it or whatever. But, and so, but at this point, I mean, to be honest, we started getting a little bit mean with her, you know, just kind of, like, mocking her and just be like, this is, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, like, just each of her emails would be from a different person. Um, <laughs> one, one person was named Connie, um, or at least the email address was, and then someone would be signed by Virginia Jarvis Brooks. And some would be found by Lou and Tim. Um, and they, they would say, like, it was clearly all the same person because, like, the syntax was similar and the spelling mistakes were similar and stuff. But they would say, I talked to Tim earlier about your conversation with him, and I just wanted to get back to you. This is Lou. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we'd be like, what the hell? And, um, and so then after we got a little bit nasty back at them, they'd come back and just be very like threatening and say things like 
you don't know what's coming. By the time you get this, you may well be involved with the FBI and the Internal Revenue Service, and you should brace yourselves because it's, you know the apocalypse is coming, all this stuff, and, and it's been very threatening. And um, Mr. Lopez, we have um, made motions to set up a public um, a public debate with Steve Sansweet, Ron Salvatore, Chris Tregulius, and the Earth. Um, where people can decide for themselves who is correct. <laughs> she has this idea like America is hanging on this issue. Right, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be on, um, you know, Good Morning America, and we're going to get together with a public debate to debate whether or not Tom Nyheisel has defrauded the Star Wars public. Right. <laughs> Tonight on Nightline. Um, yeah, and at this point, I think it's spread to the news groups. And Chris was posting about it. So she started to email Chris as well, like saying, well, you don't know what you're talking about. And so she's going back and forth with all three of us, you know, independently. Um, I think it was at that time that Gus said that he would publicly eat a proof card if she ever sold her items for $200,000. Which, of course, he never did because he never had proof that she sold them. Um, But I think he also made that same threat uh, with some other news group issue a few years later, but it was a good, um, a good thing for to say because it was really funny. Um, and so she's saying that she's going to have the public thing and threatening, threatening legal action and also threatening national news media attention. So we're just like scoffing, you know, like, <laughs> ridiculous. Right. What, could, what could she possibly do? Yeah, I mean, like, this is some crazy woman in Florida um, who used to live in Ohio, apparently, now lives in Florida, and saying that basically all this stuff is fake and, and all this stuff because she talked to one guy. It's like, okay, whatever. Um, so then, you know, some months passed, and we're in the 1998, and then someone posts on Usenet on, you know, um, the Vintage News Group, uh, something they pulled off the AP wire, and it's basically... Um, uh, let me see if I can find the headline here. I think it's like woman defrauded out of you know multiple thousands of dollars by Star Wars thieves or something. <laughs> 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 and this is in the AP. Um, wow, Associated uh, Press, amazing. Uh. Trouble. The headline is trouble afoot. Um, uh, where is it here? I lost it now. Trouble afoot from prototype owner and Hasbro legal. Um, and it's basically an AP News thing out of Lake Wells, Florida, um, about her making a free market find of maybe 328 micro figures. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and she paid $15 for them, which is a decent deal, even if they're worth three bucks a piece, you know? Right, yeah, she's still coming out ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I haven't reread this whole thing. But, and it has all the allegations, basically, that. All the stuff is fake, and it mentions my name specifically in here. It says, um, and also they have Kipling, the Kenner or the Hasbro lawyer, summarizing this. So he's quoted in here um, as about problems as advertisements for custom Star Wars items licensed to us, counterfeit figures, <laughs> a collector, Ron Salvatore, my name, making and selling unproduced Kenner micro figures. Um, same figures being offered by the Earth, basically implying that the Earth stuff is counterfeit, and all this stuff. 
Um, and then they got a Lucasfilm. It says Barber of Lucasfilm did not return a reporter's phone call. <laughs> this is like a major story in like the AP, like mentioning my name. And they never called me for a comment or anything. Wow. Um, huh. And this is in February of 98. So um, and that's, that's actually right around the time I met Steve in the city. So that's right when this is going on. So that's what this conversation was done when I first met Steve. And so Lucasfilm was all talking about this. Unfortunately, Steve, who has a clue what he's talking about, obviously, right. um, told him that this is all a lot of hogwash. <laughs> we told him to don't return the calls from this woman because she's nuts. <laughs> but obviously this is a clear breach of journalistic ethics because no one asked me to comment or anything. Right. Um, so I wrote a letter to the AP demanding they retract it. And of course, they never responded. And other people wrote some letters. And this is a big end. At this point, I'm just thinking, this woman might be insane, but I guess you shouldn't underestimate insane people to get things done because here she is with this article in the paper now. And I'm yeah. like, geez. At that point, I started to, to look both ways, and I went out into the parking lot in case she <laughs> jumped out from behind a car and like, beat me to a pulp with a sack full of unpainted micro figures or something. <laughs> Nothing else ever really came to pass with her. I think we just heard a little bit later that she sold them. She claimed that she sold them um, mm. for her price. So for her price, whether that's true or not. Thirty-five dollars or two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand, apparently. I mean, I don't know um, how that would be possible. But but the uh, the coda to the whole thing is that in about two thousand or two thousand one, uh, we were in Cincinnati. At that point, we were going like three or four times a year to, to talk to people, and we met up with Jim Golden, who lived right around the corner from where we were staying at the hotel and uh nice guy I mean, couldn't be nicer he walked in you know he sat down and chatted for a while he had some <laughs> stuff related to the micro collection and you know and eventually one of us brought up like so jim have you ever heard the name virginia jarvis and he just kind of smiled he's like yeah yeah i talked to him nice lady you know yeah. <laughs> we met him a few times and we're just like oh man i was like you caused a whole bunch of trouble with the stuff you told her and he's like what do you mean you know and, you know she had some figures you know very rare figures and they're just like Jim, those things are not rare you know i mean there's they're all over the place well not all over the place but they're common and they happen for years and he's just like oh no way you know we we never like, we never ordered those things you know uh, i was the engineer on the line and i never saw anything like that we're just like okay you didn't but they're out there and I don't think at the time we didn't have any to show them, so we were like, I wish we had these things. And also, I guess you told me that these figures were never made second series, um, but they definitely were. I mean, and if we showed you the figures, there's no doubt that you would say they were real because <laughs> there's just no doubt. Right. And he's like, he's like, we didn't do the only figures we did were these and you know these, these figures. And we're like, well, this would have been the next year's line. And we're like what were you doing the following year? Were you still doing the micro collection? And he's like, well, it was on girls toys then. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, you didn't work on it because you weren't working in boys toys anymore. Wow. After all that. So, yeah. So he had no, um, uh, experience with that second series of stuff, 83 places basically. And so to his mind, they were never made. Right. Um, and of course he presented that as gospel to Virginia and she took it as gospel and ran with it. Um, all the way to all the that stuff <laughs> so one time we went back and we bought, <laughs> bought a bag full of like I don't know torture chambers C-3PO's and Ugnaughts or something you know like 30 <laughs> of them and he's just like looking at him he's like I'll be I'll be I never would have guessed it 
Well, awesome, Ron. That's uh, I we really appreciate uh, hearing hearing the story of how you almost went to jail for uh, for collecting <laughs> Star Wars and the million dollar mentality, and it, it all comes together. Yeah, thanks, Ron. That, yeah, that was well, awesome. somewhere out there. I mean, Virginia may be having his feet up in some expensive retirement home, just sipping on a, a drink and enjoying <laughs> the, the fruits of her $15 flea market find. Exactly. <laughs> and, hey, I, she might be listening. You know, she seems, know, she seems to be an listening. expert. So, uh, we'll we'll be in big trouble. Big, yeah. big trouble. Uh, anyway, guys, that's the story. Awesome. Well, thanks for yeah, it. Thank you. All right, man. Keep up the good work. All right. Toronto, gosh. All right, so that was our our news from 15 years ago, the the, the VJB story, Steve. That was that was great. I uh, it's good to hear it uh, from one of the people involved. Yeah, <laughs> it makes it more personal. And, <laughs> and, and uh, again, it's the uh, it's the, it's the, the priceless and the worthless. And yeah, <laughs> she she thought she had something priceless, and it was virtually worthless. <laughs> uh, well, well, Steve, I can tell you one thing that. It's both priceless and worthless. You know what that Ooh, is? What's, what's that? Well, last month uh, I talked about the nude pictures of yourself. Oh yeah, and, right, and right. <laughs> and I didn't tell you this, Steve, but I won the auction. Oh man, that is just <laughs> amazing. Uh. So it was like two dollars plus ten dollars shipping. <laughs> so I have a one-legged Han and a one-legged Obi Wan, and they're both naked. Yeah, they're going into the Kivecast Hall of Fame. That's right. They're going into the Kivecast Hall of Fame. And I think that's just uh, it. They're completely worthless and completely priceless all at the same uh, time. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and as if to, to follow up that theme with, with something else we talked about last month, I, I got the, the Give a Show uh, projector going. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. and like I, I, I put in the uh, new batteries. And it's weird because you have to like mess around with the lens. To get it to uh, work. So if you ever try and get them to work, you have to really goof around with the lens a bit. But yeah, I, I laid down and I had my kids next to me and I projected it on the ceiling. Oh, sweet. And it was <laughs> awesome. I mean, they uh, they were just waiting for each time. You know, I, I took your advice and I, uh, I I listened to the soundtrack while we were doing nice. it. Nice. There you go. And I was like, <laughs> this is how it used to be. Back, well, it was before I was born, but still, it's how it used to be before there were DVD players and all this, and it was, <laughs> it was again, worthless and priceless. Oh, absolutely. No, That's great. Fun. Yeah. Whew. Man, that was, that was, a, that was a good talk. Normally, yeah. normally we, uh, we schedule the interviews for later in the show, so our, our, uh, our rhythm's a little funny. <laughs> yeah. but also, I've got images of tall Jawas in my head. <laughs> I got that weird black thing that's I'm thinking I'm gonna like look around and I'll see it somewhere in the house. Yeah, can you like find a screen grab or something? I am I'm, I'm gonna try and do that, yeah, because I I'm sure once people see it they'll know what I'm talking about, but it just creeped the hell out of me. Because <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. It sounds to me like like okay. you ever see that thing in Three Men and a Little Baby? <laughs> yeah. You've heard of that, right? Like there's like a ghost in one of the scenes. If you I've heard it. about that. Yeah, yeah, I never saw it, but <laughs> so I don't know if this is the, the Jawa ghost. Of the, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> of the tall dead Jawa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So not only did the um, did this theme come about from this this conversation, but also from a very amusing uh, Yahoo uh, photo post. Yes. Um, so Steve, can you tell us a little bit about what this was? So this uh, was a uh, posted re- relatively recently, but uh, it was a discussion about 
the most valuable toys in history, I guess, most valuable action figures. And uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the photos and comments that start to pop up, they, you just start to realize how, uh, how detached <laughs> some people are from what's really going on. Oh, man, you are just so, so, so diplomatic, yeah. Well, <laughs> so it's this funny thing where, you know, they, they have a lot, you know, a lot of the stuff I didn't know about, you know, because a lot of it's about, I don't know, some Stretch Armstrong Batman. Yeah, lots of, lots of other toys. <laughs> some, like, G.I. Joe nurse, which is cool. But then the Star Wars that they have, um, you know, they have Yak Face, which is cool, and that just prompted a whole bunch of Camel Joe questions, <laughs> which is excellent because I've also asked that. Um, yes. They have a, a rocket-firing Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. They have <laughs> a Vinyl Cape Jawa. Yep. And then they have a telescoping lightsaber Darth Vader, <laughs> uh, which they say is worth about $7,000. So the picture they show is of a single telescoping Darth Vader, not <laughs> a double scoping, double telescoping, not a carded version. So talk about million dollar mentality. You, we just have all these posts from people who say like, oh my, I have one. It doesn't have its head and it's missing its cape, but I totally have it. How can I sell it? <laughs> so what I did was I just picked some of the, the best uh, the best posts. And I thought, Steve, you and I could maybe tra- trade off reading. Yeah, them. yeah. Okay. So the first one comes from John Kerry. Hmm. I don't know if it's really him. <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so, actually. <laughs> it would be pretty great. And he says, quote, I had both the Darth Vader and the Jawa. The Vader was destroyed by me after I got a BB gun, and the Jawa's just gone, a flimsy cape uh, ripping off the first day. I had it. Sigh. I had a $7,000 BB gun target. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, so we got, who was else? Uh, Jules. It said, uh, I have a Luke Skywalker Barbie doll. He doesn't have any feet, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Ralph Wiggum responded to this. Yeah, you know what? I should have tried to to, to pull a Ralph with that because that is exact... Skywalker Barbie doll. Uh, it's like you know, if I would, I should actually contact them and try and add that to my uh, my, my naked my naked collection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a short one from Brian says, expl- expletive. I had Darth Vader at the Jawa. <laughs> okay, so next we got <laughs> return to common sense. Says, uh, <laughs> I got the master question. Who collected the Star Wars cards from the bread loaves? Talk about rare. I have 3,000 Transformers also. Wouldn't want to forget that. About 100 Robotech also, items also. 1982 Kenner SDF1 in perfect condition, but it has been opened. <laughs> yeah, there's just too much in there. I, I love yeah, the 3,000 Transformers one. and just talk about rare. I mean, <laughs> the Wonder Bread cards, talk about rare. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Daddy Patriot says, I have a bunch of these original Star Wars figures. How would I go about getting them evaluated? Anyone? <laughs> and again, I just I just, just love it. Just, you know, why not? Just yeah. some random post thread. <laughs> so next we got Huzzah. And he says, uh, I've held one of the highest graded uh, carded Yak Face figures. Kind of neat. <laughs> I, yeah. It's kind of neat. You know, Huzzah gets a pass as far as this whole thread goes. Yeah, he, he seems pretty tame. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, this next one's beautiful. This one's from uh, Paul. I uh, My brother had the telescoping lightsaber Darth Vader. I don't remember it breaking, but it always seemed bent. And I didn't want to telescope much. <laughs> I had a Jawa. 
but I distinctly remember a cloth cloak, much like Obi-Wan's. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. It's like, no, you don't. I mean, that's great. He remembers another cloth cape, but Obi-Wan, of course, <laughs> did not. I wonder whatever happened to that stuff. I should check my attic. Uh, oh, the next, right. next one from Paula, Steve. This one, this one goes right out to Beanie. Yes, I still have the Darth Vader speakerphone that I bought at Radio Shack. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was actually just Beanie, just going under the <laughs> under the under the pseudo of Paula. Oh man! And then there's some comments about the rocket firing Boba Fett. And this is one of my favorite things. Everybody remembers having the rocket firing Boba Fett. Right. Um, uh, the writer called Boba Fett's jetpack a backpack. LOL. And that is pretty funny. <laughs> it's his backpack. Rocket firing backpack. Uh, all right. Next we got uh, name required. I don't know if that just means they didn't ever sign up or what, but I had one of these. I used to shoot the rockets at my dog. My dog got the last laugh and chewed it up along with a bunch of my sister's Barbies. And that just sounds straight out of Toy Story or, or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I said, sure, sure you did, pal. Uh, <laughs> then Captain Crunch says, wow, I had one of these. My brother destroyed it. There goes my fortune. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, all right, so Tim. I wonder if this is the Tim from uh, the uh, the Virginia scandal. It could be. <laughs> uh, we had one of these, and two of my cousins had them as well. You had to send in the proof of purchases to get them. That is a lot of rocket-firing Boba Fetts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Goodness. So this guy just says he's off, you know, off the cuff. Uh, Michael M. says, Boba Fett from the 70s? Empire came out in 80, people. <laughs> Which is just great, because that's just, you know, the fanboy trying to correct people. And just, <laughs> nope, you're wrong. Sorry. Uh, all right, here we go. Here, here's another correction uh, from Emmett. That actually is false. They were released and recalled. Oh, sorry, Emmett. We didn't know. We didn't know they actually released the rocket firing Boba Fett. Uh, let's see. We get a lot of these kinds from Scott R. I regret blowing my Star Wars figures up with firecrackers. I was playing with them and making it look real. My bank account regrets it even more. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. Oh, yeah, here's another, just a simple. I remember I had to this one. Explosive. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph says, I have that right now. <laughs> and James definitely wins. Uh, Consider the gonk the core of my nest egg. <laughs> See, right there, there's someone who gets it. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, the, the star of the show, the Vinyl Cape Jawa. Yes. Uh, let's see. I'll go through the first two here kind of quickly. Okay. Uh, a careful hand scissors and Obi-Wan Cape turns any Jawa into cash. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's pretty spooky. Uh, expat says, I love this one. I had this one too. Mom, you really knew how to throw out money. This article alone, I've realized she threw out at least $18,000. Nice job, Mom. I'm sure you're, you're glad we saved all the Christmas ornaments made out of macaroni I made in the <laughs> early 70s so that the mice in the attic would have something. Oh my god, that's awesome. That one oh. truly is the best. That that may be the best. Because really, pal, like I'm glad you <laughs> saved the things I made for you, you stupid idiot. <laughs> hey Ma <laughs> Uh let's see what else we got. I I had the Vandal Cape job when I was a boy. Jealous? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, where do I sell this? Out of box, mint condition. Oh, wait. Oh, here we go. I, I got another one of the good ones, Steve. From okay. GB. This uh, is... You may lay down on the, on the therapist's couch. Yes. I, I hate, hate my mother. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Steve. All right. I hate my mother. She tossed this figure in a bunch of other Star Wars figures and ships. I had a huge collection. My dad owned a shoe store right next to a toy store when I was a kid, and that was the mid-70s. And Star Wars had just come out. It was huge. I loved all... And Chris... Darn, I need to go back to my mom's house and dig up the backyard. Probably have my whole collection buried there still. <laughs> See, I love that one because that's where I found my childhood B-Wing pilot was buried in, in my dad's backyard. There you go. I guess someone, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Jay says, these Star Wars figures must be in the original package for those prices. That Vanal cape can be copied with little or no effort at all. $10 item. <laughs> With conviction. <laughs> yeah, with conviction. Uh, uh, that's see, good, right? uh, Let's see, what is this here? Jay-Z says, heck, I've got four of them with capes and lightsabers. I certainly like to know how much or who would pay that much. <laughs> yep. Patrick says, I just found went through my old stuff and found one. Uh, let's see. Show said, introduced them to my five-year-old son this spring. I played the heck out of them, and so did he. <laughs> Cap is broke. Stickers on the starships are off. Pieces are missing. And I'm not selling. There you go, pal. Uh, that's the spirit. Yep. Uh, okay, here, here's, a, here's a critical one from Koran or Koran or I don't know how. Uh, the Vader picture is not a double telescoping lightsaber, the one worth a bit more. So, so unless your parents worked for Kenner when you were a kid, it's highly doubtful you have one. One picture is about worth about fifteen dollars in mint condition. <laughs> there you go. I think that's probably where we should end it. Yeah, the, yeah. The voice of reason. So. Voice of reason. <laughs> Anyways, it's rare that I don't know. I, I like I love reading comment sections just because they tend to be just that bad. Quite entertaining. <laughs> yeah, quite entertaining. And just the fact that the picture showed a dead common figure and told everyone it was worth seven thousand dollars. That's just great. <laughs> it reminded me of when uh, a friend of mine had a stamp collection. And I didn't understand currency. So, like, he'd have stamps from the third world and say whatever. Or, from like, Italy, whatever. And say, like, a thousand lira. And be like, this stamp is worth a thousand dollars. Oh, it's so good. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, good. Well, I think uh, that's about it for the, for the theme this month, Steve. I think we can go back to, go back to Jawa. Okay. But how do you think that worked, uh, audience? Did you like that? The sort of... Uh, I gotta stop calling the audience. How do you like that, Space Freaks? The, there you the, go. The sort of theme, uh, kind of treating a, almost like a special feature uh, on this uh, on this idea. Yeah, I like it. Cool. Let's um, let's see what else was in the news, Steve. Uh, let's see. Um, well, I see here we've got a Rick Springfield update. What, what's the story here? Rick Springfield update. That means Uh-oh. I have to go back and find the the sound drop. <coughs> Well, actually, right after I said I was done with my theme, it's another one with this theme here. So uh, you can follow <laughs> you can follow the uh, the link to dunectimes.com. Um, and uh, so they they talk about you know Rick Springfield's headman, uh, which is cool. Um, but then apparently Rick Springfield and we missed this, Steve. Uh-huh. but Rick Springfield has a cruise. Really, the cruise is you go on a cruise. And Rick Springfield is on the boat at the same time. Um, uh oh! <laughs> and apparently you, <clears throat> apparently you, you pay more for that. I don't know. Um, oh. I imagine the crowd that he would attract would be 
spooky. But anyways, so on his Facebook page, he said, uh, you know, he goes on and he talks about how, uh, you know, the geek in me collects vintage Star Wars toys. And the coolest one I have is a bootleg called Headman, who's so rare he wasn't in any of the movies. My buddy Doug Davidson just gave me a Star Wars bootleg that I made 30 years ago. I made these clay figures and stuck them onto mirrors to try and make some money at swap meets while I was writing Working Class Dog. Needless to say, (laughs) they didn't sell. Thank God the friggin' record did. So this is the rarest of all Star Wars bootlegs, Population 1. And it was made by a very broke Ricky back in 1979. We are giving this highly valuable antique, some would say worthless piece of crap, away on the fourth and final Rick Springfield and Friends cruise this November. So if you're a Star Wars fan and an RS fan, come aboard. Oh, man. It's this, like... Really cool, I don't know, like bootleg of Darth Vader. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, Rick Springfield made it. It's re- it's just awesome. I, I don't. I mean, it's. I, I hate to say it, but I really wish that I went on that cruise and and managed to win that <laughs> that piece because it's really it's actually a pretty well. It's like almost a like a little like bar relief kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll put up a link to it. Um, but yeah, so that's. I think we'll have to talk to Joe. I, my my hope was that Joe went on the cruise. Just, yeah, just I was just to gonna it. say yeah, <laughs> and then that he joined uh, Rick uh, Rick Springfield for an oi version of Jesse's Girl. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyways, that's that's the Rick Springfield update, and uh, I think we're we, we we I gotta I've never actually tried contacting him. I think we we need to start. A, we gotta reach out. Yeah, we gotta reach out, or maybe we'll have someone. Hey, does some, if some fan wants to speak on our behalf, they can. <laughs> some some space freak. <laughs> and uh, there's some pretty cool stuff in the uh, in the in the threads uh, recently. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think there's sort of one cool story and one absurd story. <laughs> uh, so the the cool one is the Palatoy QC sticker. Did you see this, Steve? You know, I, I didn't see this until just tonight, and that, it's, it's intriguing. Um, guess, I can't say I've seen a sticker quite like that before. Yeah, so it was uh, Johan uh, Seidling, I guess is how you pronounce it, another one of the, the Swedish collectors. Um, I believe he listens. Um, yeah, and he, he showed this just crazy card back with a completely different kind of quality control sample sticker. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's of Guido. And uh, it's a Palatoy figure. And I don't know. It's just, it seems like news to me because I'd never seen it before. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd never seen it either. Um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, sure. we'll, we'll put up uh, links to it here. And it has the dates, you know, so you can figure out that it came out in March 1983. Or at least this this proofing uh, system did. So, yeah, very yeah cool. and that kind of... Prompted a really cool conversation. Matthias had some some figures like that too, or some boxes like that. Um, so we can you know, you can follow the thread to that. And then probably the most absurd thing we've seen in a long time. And it's not quite vintage, so I don't know. But uh, did you see the Mexican the Mexican? Fiasco? Oh, the uh, the uh, U graded SA figure. I think yeah. it was. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so. <laughs> So we'll have to. We're not talking to Joe this month because there's not enough Jawa uh, 
bootlegs to constitute just an entire talk just about Jawas. Um, but someone has you graded, I guess, Mexican um, just bootlegs from like 2000, but they're you know, some of them are partly based on, on vintage figures. That's how they kind right. of fit into the vintage area. Yeah. And this is just causing total, just, everyone just can't believe it. Yeah, it's, um, it's mayhem. <laughs> it's just mayhem because they're like $10 items and they're being, and one was sold for $108. Whoa. Whew. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a U85 Darth Vader Mexican essay bootleg. Now, to be fair, it does look actually pretty cool in the acrylic case. And, and I'm not going to be one who's generally in favor of, of slabbing figures. Um, right. But the it is neat seeing the, the comparison between, like, the nasty, bad-made figure <laughs> and, yeah. and the pristine acrylic. Yeah. Um, but that really is turning something virtually worthless into something more valuable. There's the resurgence of... The most happy trend that once again calls back to our episode low those 22 months ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this Stairlight. Tell us about yeah. it, Steve. So uh, our, you know, got Jawa's Crumps, Jawa Stairlight uh, here on, on Rebel Scum. And, uh, and his name uh, is Jawa Scrump, which is just a good Jawa name. Jawa Scrump. Yeah, it is a good name. <laughs> Perfect name. Um, but, yeah, I, it's he's got a whole... A whole gamut here from uh, Meccano, Tri-Logo, which is also really tough to come by. And, and I think we actually talked about the interesting photo art on that one before. Right. Um, uh, all the way through, um, it's kind of... And he's also got the, uh, <laughs> the the big Jawa, which when you see the picture at first, it's that general giant thing. Oh, you, right. you start to scroll down, you see it, and like, whoa, he took a really nice close-up of a Vinyl Cave Jawa. And then <laughs> yeah, you scroll down, right. and, and you see all the actual Jawas right beneath it. But uh, it's just a great, just a great collection, and uh, <laughs> he he does mention us in in the start of the thread, like oh wow, that's perfect timing. He knows what what's going on. So yeah, um, yeah, he says uh, I'm hoping to set up a permanent display of my Jawa focus over Christmas. I thought I'd post this in time for next month's Kivecast. That's uh, so, perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, he should have sent us an email because there was a fair chance that either one of us would have been too busy to check the check the forums. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. It's it's cool too because it's all carded figures, and but you know, he, I mean, to get the the tri logo, I mean, that is a insanely rare figure. Yeah, um, and it's the one where he's being attacked by the blob. So right, gonna, right. Gonna <laughs> and the image is is flipped too. It's it's just funny. That, yeah, and the a... image is flipped, and that's actually one of the, the other things I wanted to to mention that I've always been interested in. You ever notice that the the sky in Tatooine is pink? Yes, <laughs> right. You know, we mentioned that on like. I think I think before. we're having a relapse right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those poor people who go back and listen to every episode, once they discover us, they're going to be like, "Um, you mentioned that in episode number four. But, uh, it's good yeah. that we're repeating ourselves. It's a sign that we've uh, we've made it. Yes, that's true. But yeah, so that, that's that's a great that's a great stairlight, and uh, I think my favorite thing about it is that there's no carded vinyl cape. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I like that because yeah. the amount of money you spend on that, you know, like to me, the 77 back with three clipper offer stickers, like as, a, as a focus collector, yeah, that is way better Yeah, personally because that's more rare to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it's you know not as valuable. but Much uh, more unique, that's for sure. Much more unique and that's the kind of stuff where you don't get it, it's gone. 
Whereas you can get a vinyl Jawa, vinyl cape Jawa carded every day of the week if you want to spend whatever five grand, so, right, or three grand or whatever they said on <laughs> Yahoo. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been hard to narrow down from all the Jawa collectors. Unlike Han, you know, there's a lot of well known Jawa collectors. There's Chris Nichols and there's Graham out in the UK and there's right, Jason right. and of course Gus. Uh, yep. kind of flies under the radar. It's, it's kind of unfair for him to have a focus because he has all the cool stuff. Um, but yeah, but you know, Jason's. Uh, I, I believe we featured Jason in the first Kivecast. Yeah, we did. We were talking about his his Jawa blog. Yeah. So uh, let's let's give him a ring and and uh, talk a little Utini. All right. Don't know that. Hey there, Steve. Yeah. All right. Calling Jason West. Let's hope it's not too late. It's almost 11 out here. Hello? Jason. Yeah. How you doing? Hey, it's hey, Jason. Hey, it's Steve, too. Hey. How you doing, Jason? Hey, I'm doing good. How about yourself, Sky and Steve? How you both doing good. tonight? Yeah, hey, we're doing well. Sorry to call you a little bit late. We, uh... We run a little bit behind. You, you, you doing all right there? You still awake and everything? Oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'm actually just kind of going down to the uh, basement now so I can get a little quiet time. But I actually want to thank you both for uh, giving me a call. I'm not sure. I'm not too worth the time. I usually crash late and wake up early anyway, so I'm not too worried about that. All right, cool. Cool. Well, yeah, we're just uh, – yeah, I mean, we're talking about Jawas today, and you know, obviously we're thinking, well, i got to call Jason. <laughs> well, actually, like I, like I told Steve right there, I'm actually honored that uh, that actually I could be on the podcast and I should talk about one of my favorite characters. So I'm very honored about that. Oh well, it's good having you on here. You know, I think uh, we were just talking about this, and you were the the first site we ever featured. And uh, I apparently butchered the name of your of your blog, so you can correct it for all posterity now. Twenty twenty one episodes later, so <laughs> it's it's not Mad Browns. No, actually, it's Mad Brownies. Um, okay. Actually, Mad Brownies, that, that is how I pronounce it. So, <laughs> you know, I'm open to any interpretation. Uh, back at C5, I had Mad Brown, Mad Browns, Mad Brownies. So, so I, that's how I pronounce it. So I'm open to everything. That's right. <laughs> so it's uh, M-A-D-B-R-O-W-N-Z dot blogspot dot com. Um, yes, that is the place. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a big hip hop fan, so that that was why I went immediately to the the Z as an S. That that was where <laughs> that came from for me. But uh, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And I gotta say, you've really done a good job of keeping it updated. I mean, you you know you you keep it going. I know. Uh, I'm kind of jealous of your whole setup because you know the way that I set up my character focused site, it's just. It's impossible to do anything because you have to like build the pages and take all the time to do it. And uh, this seems like a really nice way to do it. How's it been going for you? No, actually, it's been going fine right now. Actually, thank you very much for the compliments on my site. Um, it's actually going pretty good. I've been very fortunate to have the time to go through and organize it, uh, delete a lot of stuff, reorganize it again. So. I've actually been fortunate in that area, and also to add some really nice pieces over the years as well. Right now, is there? I mean, you know, obviously there's the the vinyl capes and all that kind of stuff. Is there any kind of uh, vintage item on here that that you think you know we could sort of dig out of the uh, 
dig out of the the Mad Mad Brownies archive? No, actually, I try to think. My my two favorite items are that actually I treasure the most in my collection is the hand painted uh, first shot with the unproduced cape. Uh, that's the one I picked up in early 2008, and also the the three. Uh, the mock-up or alternate deco Jawas that I picked up from Jordan at uh, C3. Now, now what, what makes it an, far an, my favorite. an unproduced cape? I don't even understand. What does that mean? Uh, basically, the production vinyl cape uh, for the Jawa is actually a lighter brown in color. And uh. I think back in 1978, there's a catalog featuring a darker brown cape with the alternate t- uh, style of of a material on the inside of the cape. It's much it's a darker brown material. Huh. And it was actually I wouldn't say produced, actually used on three different prototypes. And what's very strange about these prototypes, uh all of them have different leg pairings. One the one I own had legs run straight. One that uh, another collector has his two right legs and another huh. one has legs backwards. Huh. So there are three different prototypes of this one figure, all featuring the unproduced cape, and huh. three styles of legs. You know, backwards, uh, two right legs, and uh, the legs backwards. Huh. So that's what's very unusual about <laughs> these three figures right there. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I'm just – my favorite question to ask any focus collector is what, what was it that, that made you go, go into the Jawas? Truthfully, it was uh, me. I think it all stemmed from my childhood. My parents, big sci-fi, uh, sci-fi uh, fans from the old Star Trek uh, uh, television series, set this to me as a seven-year-old in this movie called Star Wars. Basically, he told me to sit down, shut up, and watch the movie. And <laughs> I sat there, and from that moment on, I was just completely amazed and a fan of Star Wars. And all I remember of the Jawas, this RCD coming down that that uh, backwell desert um, sandy lane, well, you know, sandy right there, and right. the Jawas just coming out of nowhere and just blasting them. And from that moment on, I was just hooked on the Jawas, and out of all the original character figures, excuse me, characters that I had in my youth, the Jawas was the only one that remained, and I still have it upstairs in my display cabinet, and that is probably my most Honor, probably my most revered piece is one little figure from my childhood that I just happened to be uh, kept for all these years. Wow, that's a, that's great. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a great reason. I mean, I think I've told it on the on air before, but I I lost my Jawa in a swimming pool in Florida, so <laughs> it's, it's it's a harsh memory, but uh, it's a good thing, or else we might be competing now. If I had some kind of wonderful memory that wasn't sad. <laughs> Well, actually, you know, it's one thing that's yeah, interesting to bring up. Truthfully, I think there's a belief between, I guess, focus collectors that there's a big, there's a big competitive edge, and you know, I, I actually I enjoy the competition. I mean, Chris Nichols, Graham Hughes, they have amazing, amazing Jawa collections, and I've had time to meet Chris over the years and Graham at C5, and we just sat there and just talked about you know favorite characters, card backs, variations, first shots. Right. Things that we're looking for, and we bounce a few emails off each other over over time. Actually, I just talked to Graham this early this week, and I think the com- I think competition is good for a focus collector. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I think 
depends on who you're competing with, too. I think if everyone's, like, open and friendly and not, you know, shady and weird, that also helps. <laughs> yeah, so what, what is the uh, – what, what are you sort of on the hunt for now? I mean, with that many famous or that many high-profile super Java collectors, they must have lots of stuff you're just dying for. But is there something that you're just sort of looking out for now? Truthfully, I would love to document a another first shot. I've actually been, I've actually tracked all the known first shot Jawas over the years. I've actually been able to document five of them, even even knowing where exactly what collection they are in by wow. by the collector's name, how they switched hands over the years. I've actually been able to trace four of the five from the original history of where they originated from, all the way through to where they are today. Oh, that's great. Uh, the fifth one right there, I know part of the history, but I'm actually waiting for some information to come back. Uh, there's a sixth one I, I had thought that I've located, and unfortunately that turned out not to be um, not to be work out at all. Oh. Uh, I think that's something I've actually taken a lot of pride in right there. I actually tracked the history of all the prototypes. Uh, as far as what I'm looking on the hunt for, I, I think a vintage hard copy would be an, an ultimate, uh, would be a just one of the ultimate the goal to obtain right yeah yeah that's that's really cool though I, I i've often thought about trying to like i wanted to try and track down all the 12 back proofs of chewbacca and figure out where they all went and where they all are uh and i did it for maybe like a month and i was like yeah forget it <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well truthfully this has actually been mostly by accident uh actually the one i actually tracked from the old uh i'd I actually started reading a lot of the old Rebel Scum threads uh, going back to 2003, 2004, 2005, and I managed to put together a history of where the first shots originated by auctions, uh, by the Earth, when I actually had three of them that they originated from there. So I've been actually very lucky. Huh. That, well, and also, you know, kind of research and kind of take the time to piece everything together, plus uh, yeah. also have some collectors uh, be very – uh, you know, answer a lot of questions as well. Right. It's, it's more of like patience and persistence, I think, when it comes to, to tracking those things. Well, well, Jason, I think you're you're going to be the lucky recipient of, of the first trial of the new lightning round questions. So be it. Oh no! Oh no! Well, I, I will <laughs> I will try my best to go through this and you know give my most honest and accurate answers. Then. Well, well the, the, <laughs> they were devised by by Tommy Garvey, so as you can guess, they're they're probably better and goofier questions than, than we asked previously. Yeah. What is your least first... favorite Star Wars figure and why? General General Medine. Oh. How boring <laughs> of a figure can that be? General <laughs> Medine by far. Uh, it's a good thing Brock doesn't listen to our show. Hey, Steve? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, I know, I know. I, unfortunately, he's going to unleash the Prince Fury when he sees me too. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, for LOM or for LOM? For LOM. All right, and just because, you know, Steve, I just like this question too much. If you were a vintage Star Wars collectible, which one would you be, Jason? You know what's strange? I should say the droid factory because – The whole droid factory. Oh, man. The old droid factory. I think the reason because because over life you change. I mean you change. You go from a small boy to a young man to an older man. In the droid factory, with all the interchangeable parts, you actually build yourself up over time. And that's the reason I've always kind of gone through and – yeah, the one uh, place at the droid factory. Nice, good, good yeah. answer. 
I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. We're not retiring that question. That's that's the good one out of all those. Yeah, awesome. Oh, and actually, can you quote anything that a Jawa says that's not Utini? Oh man, that's tough. That's uh, tough. Actually, the, the actually the plus Jawa that they have at least right there. You know, I'm really gonna. This is people gonna laugh right here. This it's he goes this one little sign. He goes. All right, now that's that's a way to sign off an interview. Yes. <laughs> I know, oh, people are laughing when they hear this. Oh, that's good. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Guys, see you. Thank you very much. For, both of you have a good night. Thank you very much. All right. Whew, well, that was cool talking to Jason, man. We're having good, a, good stuff. We're just all too polyvocal, I tell you. <laughs> I love it. Do you remember those nice, easy days where it was just you and me talking about stuff for like 10 <laughs> minutes and then hitting the stop? <laughs> yeah. It's it's a different time. Different time. Yeah, it's a different time. But I, I got to say, though, I mean, just we'll get to the feedback later. But, but definitely the more that we... The more the more that other people are talking, the more people like the show. So yeah, absolutely. That's good. I'll, I'll let you choose, Steve. Do you want the the, uh, the the nugget or the unloved? Let's go unloved first, because I'm I'm a little confused by it. <laughs> all right, Steve. Uh, all right, let's. Um, <laughs> so, what this is about is uh, you may not know this about me, but uh, probably my favorite musician is Neil Young. Oh, I didn't know he was your favorite. Okay. Yeah, if I, if I, I mean, I go through phases where, you know, I, I don't listen to Neil Young for three years, and then I listen to nothing but Neil Young for like six months, and then I go back <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm like three or four albums behind, but I'll catch up eventually. You know, okay. like uh, it's it's like a marriage, you know, not a love affair. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I've always loved Neil Young, and uh, in 1978. He had a, a tour, and uh, on this tour, he decided to do something cool with his roadies. Oh. He called them road eyes, and he dressed huh. them up as Jawas. Really? And it's a really cool idea, because, I mean, what is a Jawa but a roadie? You know, like, running around <laughs> and, like, messing around with mechanical stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, the unloved item is something I've never, ever seen in any Star Wars collection. I've never seen any talk about it it's not on the archive and nobody talks about it and so what it is is he made a, a documentary of the movie um, the movie is called Rust Never Sleeps and it's um, a concert that was filmed at the Cow Palace uh, which is I think it's in Oakland or San Francisco or it's somewhere in the Bay Area and it was recorded in 1978 and the poster features this really cool art of Neil Young on top of this He's part of these giant speakers and a whole bunch of roadies or road eyes, you know, these Jawas, almost like right. Iwo Jima style, um, like <laughs> holding up a, uh, a microphone stand. And uh, Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just this, you know, I, it's not that rare. It's not that valuable. Uh, but I've just always really liked that image, and it's two of my favorite things mixed into one. You can never, never go wrong with that. Yeah, no, that's, can, that's great. Yeah, you can never go wrong. I looked it up a little bit too. It turns out that that was one of the earliest kind of cease and desist lawsuits. You know, oh, see, that was going to be my next question. That's '78. That's right when things are. That's right in the middle of the the craze. So yeah, 
And I, I don't think Neil was trying to make money off it. You know, I think he was just like, <laughs> like I don't know, this seems cool. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, it's that it's the whole Bay Area ness of Star Wars. You know, that you, you know, Neil York's Canadian, but his house is in Half Moon Bay, and he's a very yeah. a very Californian guy. Um, yeah, a very yeah. Bay Area guy. So yes, yeah, so that's my unloved item, and I think Thank you. Perfect, I, I I really I think it. that people should. Okay, so Steve, I'm about to get really far out there. Uh-oh. This is a theory. <laughs> you know it's a bad sign. I just came up with it right now. Uh. And my thought is, you know, the concerts were in 1978. And what yeah. Star Wars poster came out in 1978? 78. Oh. Uh. The one year today poster. Oh, that's right. The, the birthday the birthday cake poster. Yeah, yeah. Which is a famous poster because it features Kenner Star Wars figures. Right, right. It features all 11, Steve. <laughs> oh, man. So you're starting to sound a little bit like Virginia. Uh, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. One's missing. The Jawa was clearly helping out Neil Young at the Cow Palace. That's what was going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, oh, that's good. That's good. We, find, we finally... Uh, Settled that old debate of why isn't the Jawa featured? No, I think uh, the real theory is right that they didn't. That was when they were changing over from the, the yeah, vinyl that, that to the cloth. Be, that could be right. Yeah, <laughs> I still like the Neil Young jamming yeah. on stage. Better. <laughs> exactly, that's, that's just way better. Uh, and of course, as everyone knows, we we now have have sponsors on the show. I know it's annoying. Um, but uh, we're going to do just kind of a you – know, we have to do it. You know, yeah, we, we, oh, it's a must. <laughs> we, we can't you – know, some stuff's come up on eBay. we got to find a way to fund it and anyways. We're, um, we're, we're obligated by contract. <laughs> you're obligated by contract. So Kenner uh, recently – you guys are all familiar with the, uh, the Jawa uh, mini action figure. Um, and Kenner has actually just recently come out with – it's like a playset where you can actually play like you can – recreate your favorite scenes from the movie Star Wars and uh, you you can have like the Jawa capture R2-D2 and uh, anyways it's called The Land of the Jawas and they, they sent us a little thing here so, so have a listen Escape Pod Landing where am I? It's the new Star Wars Land of the Jawas that you put together action figures sold separately you can move the action lever and make the Jawa capture R2-D2 R2? Are you alright? What are they doing to you? You can raise the elevator and make R2-D2 disappear into the sand crawler. Hang on, R2. I'm right behind you. Me too. <laughs> Kenner's new Star Wars Land of the Jawas. Action figures each sold separately. Like, Yeah, I think my favorite part, Steve, is, is how they, they make the Jawas speak English. Yes. That's definitely <laughs> the best part. Um, uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it says, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, uh, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's how a Jawa would laugh, but. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Tis a nugget from the archive. Tis a nugget. Oh my God, they're gorgeous. From the archive. Oh 
to tell you the truth, Steve, this has been another jam-packed episode, so I don't really know if we need that good of a nugget. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you found anything better than what I found. Did you, Steve? Yeah, I, I think this is probably a good choice for, for the Jawa. Um, uh, it's, it's hard to beat uh, yeah. Gus's proof run. So yeah. that, that's what we're showing here. Um, it's, you can always tell the old archive uh, <laughs> editions because it's got that weird marble Early wallpaper. internet uh, background and the, yeah. the picture itself is a little, little pixely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but it's 12 different Jawa proof cards and you know, it goes from Star Wars all the way through uh, Power of the Force. And it's just – again, I, I – that's that's my default. If I never know exactly what to do, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of nice stuff that that you know, like Jason has, you know, the yeah, yeah, the first shots, and that's that was all very possible. But if you want to, if you want to see, uh, if you want to see proofs, I mean, this is just it's a great example of all of them in their in their pink background yeah. glory. What do you think, Steve? Do we need to give them more than that, or are they? I, is I that think good uh, this is one of those ones where it, it speaks for itself. Yep, it speaks for itself. Unfortunately, everyone else has done all the speaking for us on this episode. (laughs) Ah, but we have not spoken yet about the Market Watch, Steve. No, no, we haven't. One dollar flicks. Market Watch. So uh, what was cool about this month, we got uh, – I got an email from Pete over at Rebel Scum Frat Boy 24 and he gave us uh, a couple really great auctions that uh, that are outside of the, the Jawa thing. So I want to make sure I included those uh, right off the bat. And, and uh, this, first... this is really good because he emailed me a couple months ago about this <laughs> and I always meant to email him back and uh, <laughs> you know, being the somewhat notorious flake with email, I never did. <laughs> and I was, I was kind of, had, you know, when you don't respond to an email and you have that like niggling feeling in the back of your head, like, oh man, that guy probably thinks I'm a jerk. <laughs> then when I saw you, know, you, you sent me this, I'm like, all oh, right, he actually went through and did it, and, and now we have, you know, yeah. When all else fails, email me. <laughs> yes. When all else fails, email Steve. <laughs> um, okay, so the first thing we got is a uh, Rebel Command Center from Empire Strikes Back, and uh, it's it's sold for seven hundred and ten dollars. Uh, and I mean, it's it's just uh, it's rare to see in this condition. He makes that note, and it's it's sealed. So wow. Now um, I always thought, even though this is one of those play sets that gets the the retread of the the base, um, I always love the the artwork for this one. Right. And uh, you get to see the inside of the, the Echo Base and all that. But uh, it's it's true. I was thinking about it. You don't see too many of these. Like, the one I had was totally beat to hell. So it's, I see this, like, really nice uh, nice example that sold for $710. Um, so that's a good start. And uh, let's see what we got next here. Next we had a Vlix, which is perfect because we are – this is the, the $1 Vlix market watch. But, uh, you know, this one, not quite – a dollar. Uh, it didn't sell, but the reserve was not met, and it got up to nineteen hundred and twenty-six dollars of twenty bids. So, uh, wow. it's uh, I, what's great about it is uh, <laughs> in the the auction description, it's called Holy Grail when, with uh, exclamation points. That uh, uh, yeah, so that's that's notable. I, I guess you haven't seen many Vlixes recently that they go up for sale, and this one didn't quite sell, but uh, definitely got some interest. 
Right. Uh, so I wanted to yeah, say thanks again, Pete, for, for sending those in. And uh, anytime anyone has anything that they see that, that, that's sold that they think deserves mention, um, by all means, send them in. So Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool because I, I don't even think we've explained the $1 Blix story. But, <laughs> not uh, in a while. <laughs> not in a while. We'll, we'll, we'll explain it next month. But okay. uh, there's a, a 1,926 $1 Blixes. So. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what the person wanted. Oh, you know what? They reposted it at a Buy It Now. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, at 3200 Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I don't know if that's ridiculous or not, but that sounds uh, pretty high. It, it's, that's up there. Um, I, yeah, that's. I guess we'd have to talk to Mr. Gallo about that. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into the Jawas here. Um I know everyone's tired of the 12-back thing to start it off, but it's... No uh, one's tired of it, Steve. Uh, Only you are. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, this one, it's a vinyl cape Jawa that, uh, it's a carded one, like just like you were talking about. Um, you can find them there. They're out there. This one was eBay 75 and it sold for three uh, or 3500 So um, there you go. There's your barometer for vinyl cape Jawas uh, on card. Wow, and, that's... Uh, I wasn't too far off. What did I say? I said five no, grand. No, no. I, I think you, you said – I think you started with five grand, and then you actually yeah. came down to like three grand. So there you go. You were you're right on the yeah. right on the mark. And, um, and that, that sold – that's – I love AFA 75. I got to say that's my favorite AFA grade. That's your favorite number? Because yeah. Because you, you get the case, but you rarely – it rarely sells for more than it's worth because right, it's, it's right. a low grade. Yeah. And I often think, uh, they're very displayable, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I think the only – uh, the last, a- or I think the only AFA figure I had at one point was a Kenobi that was AFA 75. Yeah. And, uh, of course, when I shipped it, it totally broke out of the case inside. So right. I'm like, yeah, oh, well. Anyway, <laughs> um, next up, it's uh, a loose Final Cave Jawa. And this one was also AFA'd uh, 80. And that one sold for $537. Um, so you have, it, it's, I'm trying to think. Um, how often these sell when they're not um, graded? Uh, it's it's tough to, to find too many. That, uh, but uh, now, I don't know. Now, five... now you see there, even though my stance on AFA is usually fairly negative, I'm actually all in favor of it. Yeah, well, you have the the uh, the CIB authentication and all that, and I guess you know. If someone was going to go, you know, take some vinyl and some scissors and, and doctor up one of these, right, I mean, like, uh, like it's so easy to do, apparently. Uh. Right, according <laughs> to the message thread. But, I mean, seriously, there are yeah. tons of fakes out there. Yeah. And, no, it's, and, and it's short true. of showing it to someone who really knows what they're talking about, I mean, like, really yeah. knows what they're talking about, I, yeah. I have no problem with the, with the AFA, uh, AFA loose vinyl capes. Yeah, and it actually kind of uh, goes right into the next one. Um, it's kind of an interesting auction. Uh, it was listed as a Toltoys Vinyl Cape Jawa uh, with a gun. And if you read through, it turns out that uh, the seller uh, was misinformed, and it turns out that it's probably the American version. Yet it's still sold for $680. Uh, $680. Um, so I think... I think maybe the Toltoy things, Toltoy's uh, thing had something to do with that uh, to start. Yeah. But um, yeah, it just goes to show you that um, it's interesting when you don't have that uh, that authentication uh, certificate right. <laughs> and get into trouble. But um, let's see. You know, the next one, uh, I think if I had to choose one of my favorite foreign card backs, it'd have to be the the Harbert from Italy. I just love it. it looks like. 
he really takes the race car track thing to another level. I just think of that logo for Harvard being on some like Formula One racer's jacket <laughs> or something. Um, but this is a, a partially resealed uh, Jawa, and I, I know these are rare in general. I'm not sure on the Jawa specifically, but uh, this re- partially resealed one sold for 252. Um, so I, I think it it looks great. It just it's a bummer that it's not totally intact. But I guess if uh, depending on how often you can find them, um, it's it was cool to see one. I wasn't really expecting to to see one on on eBay, just kind of poking around. So and one of my favorite things is that it uses it's called a capo Jawa. Yeah, the capo capo Jawa. <laughs> it just makes me think of uh, you know Godfather and yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Michael Corleone explaining the entire uh, regime to. Uh, Decay. All right. Let's see. Up next, we have uh, Return of the Jedi 77 back. Um, That one sold. It's funny. I started to notice that the magic number for a lot of these other Jawa items was somewhere around like $100 to $120. I found like five or six different auctions, all different things. It all ended for about that much. Uh, This one, um, it's just, uh, you know, your standard uh, Return of the Jedi figure, but... Looks pretty nice, and it sold for 101. Um, and then moving on, we've got uh, Power of the Force. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's listed as a vintage liquidation Power of the Force Jawa in, in mint condition. <laughs> what does that liquidated, even mean? liquidated for 125 dollars. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's got a you know, pretty clear bubble, and like it, like you were saying, it's got that interesting cropping that they did with all the Power of the Force figures. Um, and the last couple things, we, uh, we got a 12-inch uh, Jawa, which is really probably more like a 8-inch Jawa or something. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Uh, but, uh, that one sold for 120 also. Um, that's that magic number again. But uh, all right. Well, let's, let's head to the feedback. Oh, it, was, it was really good feedback, Steve. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. I, that episode seemed to really, really resonate with people. Um, yeah. So that's that's always great, you know, because it takes a lot of work, but also, you know, they're not all they don't all get that kind of response. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not only did Tommy ask those great questions for our, our lightning round, but he <laughs> added like ten more. Um, yeah. So we're, we're <laughs> going to sort of pepper those in throughout our, our future interviews. And yeah, definitely. That's a that's a wealth of of questions right there. So that way that, that we'll we'll have the lightning questions, but but we'll be, keep it fresh. They'll keep it yeah. fresh, except yeah. for the existential question. Except for which that one, yeah. I, I can't get enough of that one. No. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Jared Jared answered the call and made the the Tuscan Raider. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that was great. Um, yeah, it's 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 uh, had the the puffy sleeves and everything that I wanted. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a pretty cool thing from uh, uh, Beanie. Did you did you check that out, Steve? Oh, the the Squidhead Squidhead yeah. story. Yeah, well, this is great. Um, yeah, so apparently he had he got the uh, this image of the vintage Squidhead signed by the actor, right? And right. Uh, <laughs> he prefixed his name with uh, Vintage Gerald Home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that was just. Uh, Absolutely fitting. <laughs> yeah, the idea that he just he signed himself as as <laughs> vintage. That's great. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, there's one bit of feedback that we got at the Facebook page. For some reason, it only shows up on my phone version of this, and and not on on Facebook. But uh, 
Rob Thompson sent this in uh, from the UK. He said, uh, hi, Sky and Steve, still enjoying your podcast over here in the UK. Just thought you might like to know on the subject of 3PO xenophobia. <laughs> I've just been listening to the radio drama version of Jedi and noticed that Jawas are not the only race he has an issue with. Uh, he also refers to Gamorians as disgusting green ruffians. <laughs> <laughs> and, and whilst we're on the subject, I don't know whether he has a problem with all the Kowakian monkey lizards. Uh, that's an interesting name. Uh, generally, or uh, whether it's just Lacious Crumb, he considers a heinous little imp. And I can just see, I can just see Anthony or hear Anthony Daniels calling him that it's for some reason. But uh, uh, he closes with a, "This is one for discussion, Wampa Wampa." But I, I just—it's weird to me that I can only see this comment on my phone version of the Facebook page and not the actual page. So I'm glad I caught it because uh, that's just great. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, what was it again for the Gamorrean guards? Uh, let's see. Let me bring it up again. It was uh, <laughs> disgusting green ruffians. Which, that's right. uh, uh, That's it. Sounds so so British in some way. Yeah, but, it does. Uh, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> it does. Yeah, and uh, it seems like really people don't don't want the uh, really don't want the um, name change. They seem to like Kivecast. So yeah, yeah. I think I think the the good compromise is the the tagline or the the subhead. Of, right. uh, I think I think that works. But uh, it's true. I got to be honest. I'm I'm in, in that crowd where I think it's just a it's a great name. Yeah, yeah. It's a great name. I just you know want want to scare the uh, the, the space freaks. <laughs> Get them thinking a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, space freaks. Uh, the audio got a little bit too garbled here. Uh, from what I remember of what we talked about, it was the proper pronunciation of Abbottabad, uh, not Abbottabad. So thank you to our astute listeners who are of Pakistani origin. And I believe Steve and I also rambled on about some cricket game. Um, so anyways, sorry about uh, missing that part of the feedback, but I was at least able to save our inimitable goodbye. So uh, <laughs> thanks. How can, How you, can make you make Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving into a You know, I was thinking, uh, you had the exchange of droids you know, with, the, with the farmers and all that. That's kind of like Black Friday. Kind of like Black Friday slash a weird version of the first Thanksgiving. I don't know where I'm going with that. but uh, First Thanksgiving? <laughs> the all first right. Star Wars Thanksgiving. I don't first know. First Star Wars Thanksgiving, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not quite there. No, but, not uh, quite. I, I gave it a shot. <laughs> All right, awesome, Steve. Well, uh, thanks, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, hope you hope you liked all of our stories from the million dog mentality to the uh, the, the crazy Java talk. Right, thanks again, everybody. Wampa Wampa. Adios. This podcast is not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, Hasbro Toys, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at www.starwars.com. The official Hasbro site can be found at www.hasbro.com. Star Wars all names and sounds of Star Wars characters and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or the respective copyright and trademark holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Star Wars Collector's Archive, unless otherwise it is.